0: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game. The number one sports podcast in Dominica, number six in Lebanon, number nine in Hong Kong and number 296 in the boardroom of at least one championship club. <laughs> I mean, uh, he is Liverpool's University's Kieran Maguire chuckling like Santa Claus. That's that's a lovely little Christmassy chuckle
1: there, Kieran. That's very nice. Well, thank you very much. Well, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm celebrating having seen a football match live on uh, on at the, on Sunday at the weekend. Remember before we, we'd recorded the the show yeah. prior really? to Brighton playing Sheffield United, yeah, and. Um, I think I said at the time, I cannot get any pleasure out of Palace losing 7-0 at home to Liverpool because I thought we were going to out-shit you that Ah. weekend. And and, and we did our very best. You know, 10 men, Sheffield United. Yeah. And and we only just scabbed a draw. Well, well done for not mentioning the 7-0 all
0: the way through last week's pod when it just happened, Kieran. Thank you for that. Uh, I am i uh, tempted, Kieran, as I raise my second glass of Baileys of the day, I'm tempted to paraphrase a great Bill Murray in Scrooged uh, by saying, what sort of rat bastard schedules a pod for Christmas Eve? Uh, <laughs> yes. The answer to that is, is Guy. Uh, and if you know the film, Guy is also the sort of person who would staple antlers to a mouse's head. Um, but the, the world of football never stops, Kieran. So here we are doing a, a, a podcast for Christmas Eve. Um, and there will be a couple of others during the Christmas break as well, which we're also doing now. Let, we can let the magic in. So, but this is the this is the news one. The world of football never stops, Kieran, and neither can we. And we do have some proper big news stories, and arguably the biggest of the stories, Kieran, is the most recent. This happened uh, less than an hour ago. News came through that Kieran Trippier has been banned for ten weeks from all football and fined seventy thousand uh, euros. Uh, for infringing gambling regulations and it seems to be the rules around providing information to people before games
1: yes and, and this is intriguing in the sense that this is a charge by the football association but it's a worldwide ban and and that will be enforced uh in spain oh it's our so, it's our fa that's brought the charges not spain. It, it, oh it, it, i see yeah yeah it, right. it's it's our fa um so it, Kieran Trippier was up on seven charges of which four have been proven um so he's going to miss 12 games uh for Atletico and I think he's going to miss therefore the first leg against Chelsea yeah, uh, in the Champions true. League so that's that's uh, that's bad news for him bad news for Atletico because they're doing really well this season and it you know I'm, I'm always pleased when the duopoly at the top of Spanish football is <laughs> yeah, is challenged true regardless by who. But as you rightly said, um, it was in respect of, I think this is section E1B of guidance to players or something of that nature, um, specifically with regards to providing information to third parties. Now, one can only presume that this is in relation to tactics, formations, who's going to be playing and so on. Um, and this will have implications for markets because if you're setting up a market and you know who's starting the game in advance, it allows you to have a a, a competitive advantage. But the relationship between players and the betting industry is always an uneasy one. I mean, I can understand the logic of the the football associations uh, you know, all over Europe saying we don't want players to be gambling because clearly that's a conflict of interest. But I've spoken to one or two people at clubs who have gambling sponsors, and they say the, the there are issues which go beyond that. I mean, the nature of football it's it's very competitive. You've got highly charged young men with a lot of disposable income, so quite often that the betting company will come along and say, "You know, we, we we want you to be you know, not necessarily our ambassador, but you know, could you could you come along to one of our uh, presentations with the club and things of this nature." And the player's agent will say, "Well, you know, what's in it for my client?" And the the gambling company will say, "Well, you know, here's the, we'll, we'll give you we'll give you ten grand's worth of free bets." Yeah. And all of a sudden, the player becomes enmeshed within that gambling environment, and that ten grand disappears quickly, and then it, it starts to get up. So we have seen a lot of players, unfortunately, um, reveal. Their their addiction to gambling and it's it's an ongoing issue. It's it's not one or two. We're hearing it far too often. Um, so you know what? Why on earth? What on earth possessed Kieran Trippier, who is a very wealthy young man? Clearly, he's an England national. We all remember the 2018 World Cup and and things of that nature. So he he will have made an awful lot of money. What has possessed him, or what has necessitated him having to give? This information to other parties because he must know the rules. You know players, uh, pl- players are are told and that they are they you know, they are educated on things of this nature.
0: It's it's difficult for Kieran Trippier. I mean, we we shouldn't speculate because until the details are released, if they ever are, of course, social media is such that uh, this could range anywhere from him telling. International gambling syndicates. Who's in a team, or it could be him telling a mate that he's not playing. So it, it it does cover a wide range, and I suspect that he or his agent may like to reveal what the real story is if it's at the less serious end of the scale. But we know that that Spain uh, take a harsher approach to gambling sponsors than than we do because they've banned it. I think for the end of the season. Is this in in any way embarrassing? Do you think for? the likes of Paddy Power or William Hill or indeed Skybet, who encourage so many
1: people to bet on football? Um, I I don't think it it is embarrassing. I mean, they they all run legitimate businesses. Um, Clearly, there is an ongoing debate at uh, at Parliament. We've seen the recommendations from the House of Lords. We've seen the pushback from the EFL because... Football's got a, a monetary crisis at present. And as we've said on more than one occasion, the gambling companies are the biggest players in town. So yeah. um, it, it's certainly not going to help the cause of those who are fighting the rear guard on, on behalf of gambling. Um, I, I'm more concerned about it from a player's point of view.
0: Yeah. Your Uncle Terry ran a legitimate business. and That didn't end particularly well either. So um, <laughs> following our discussion at some length last week, Kieran, of the, the convicted fraudster attempting to buy Grimsby Town. Ian Holloway, manager and I believe shareholder at the club,
1: has resigned. Are these stories linked? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, Ian Holloway uh, he he resigned on Twitter, which yes. is a strange way to conduct uh, things. Um, so he, he he well he is still a shareholder at Grimsby Town Football Club. He was a director, um, and that uh, his resignation as a director. Went through within a couple of hours. Yeah, the fact that it pinged into my inbox via company's house within a within yeah by by about half past ten this morning shows that uh, things can operate very quickly. Um, He, by all accounts, voted against uh, the convicted fraudster Alex May uh, becoming involved with the club but um it does appear that the the majority shareholder is a guy called John Fenty is very keen on moving the club on there are interested parties um trying to sort of it, it's very very difficult to summarize things from twitter because by by its very nature it's, it's a condensed form of communication but i think ian, ian holloway had had communication with the prospective owners, and for whatever reason, um, there wasn't a good relationship forming, forming between both parties. So, under those circumstances, he has he's gone. He, he felt, you know, I, I came to work here with John Venti. Um, perhaps he's saying he wasn't aware that the club was up for sale, and he feels unhappy the The reaction from Grimsby Town football club fans, I, I think it's fair to say, is mixed. Yeah. Um. And uh, you yeah, know, as a fan, your main focus is on results on the pitch. Yeah. Grimsby haven't had a great season. The fans are pointing towards Ian Holloway, holding him responsible for a significant amount of that. I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I like Ian Holloway, full stop. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a member of his fan club because. I'm aware of his personal circumstances. You know, I'm aware that he's got. Yeah, you know, I think his wife is is deaf. He's got two children who are profoundly deaf, and how, yes. as a family man, he's he's incredibly dedicated. He's learnt signing and things of that nature. And for me, he's. You know, I'm, I'm not a Grimsby Town fan. Yeah, you know, let's let's put let's put it make that quite clear. But um, you know, in in the good bloke stakes, he's he's riding high in my estimation because. He, he's a he's a committed family guy, and, and I think he's, uh, you know, for, for that, he, he earns a lot of credit in my book. I can understand it from a fan's point of view and turn around and say, well, the football has been crap and his signings have been rubbish, so we, we think we think he's just using this as an excuse to ride out of town.
0: Yeah. I quite like the fact that uh, my email occasionally pings with a Christmas message from a comedian who forgot to send a card, and yours pings with a director resigning from a football club. <laughs> I hope did it come up with a little wreath of holly and perhaps a little touch of jingle bells just for a festive touch? Or does directors' company's house not work like that?
1: Well, I, th- I think I think if we want to uh, you know, bring some season seasonal cheer to company's house, I, I, the next time I'm uh, talking to Parliament, I'll I'll, I'll suggest that. <laughs>
0: Nice nice drop. Well done. Um, A a little bit further up the East Coast, and this is a very bizarre story even by our standards, Kieran. A potential buyer of Sunderland had a very wacky few hours uh, just the other day. First of all, he threatened to sue the Roker Report fanzine. Then he offered to fight them, which was uh, a, a a cracking couple of hours on social media for Sunderland fans who like a bit of light entertainment.
1: Yes, this this is um, this is William's story, and I think you're right to use the word "wacky" um, in in more ways than one with with regards to his uh, his Twitter spat with uh, with the Roker Report. So, uh, the Roker Report, for people who aren't familiar, it's it's sort of you know, morphed effectively from a fanzine into a, a website for Sunderland fans. Um, we're, we're big fans of Roker Report because we they were they were behind the the, the big soup kitchen yeah. promotion, and they've raised over twenty seven thousand pounds in respect of the, you know, the about Northeast soup kitchen. So yeah, amazing efforts by all Sunderland fans, and, and yeah, that's that's the that's a, that's the thing. We in an ideal world we should be talking about um, on on the Roker Report. Uh, one of the contributors wrote an article, which was critical of William's story. Um, if uh, if people want to Google William's story, that's S-T-O-R-E-Y, and Haas Formula One, um, this was a, an interesting uh, period of his life where he was involved in sponsoring a, a Formula One team uh, with his amazing energy drink, <laughs> which uh, does amazing things, according to William's story um and that that deal was terminated very quickly i think it only lasted 1 year out of a 3 year deal um and i have taken a look at his main company or certainly the main company's sort of in theory linked with uh, sunderland um which has not published any accounts since 2017 and uh william Storey claims that he's got he's putting forward a 45 million pound offer to Stuart Donald at Sunderland. He, he says there was one in July and there was one in November. And uh, Sunderland is saying, well, we don't see him as a credible credible uh, takeover guy. Um, his company had, um, for this, 40, it had £581 pounds in the bank. Now, I think you and I at present, Kevin, we'd actually quite both like quite like £581 pounds in our bank account because it's, it is Christmas Eve and, and we're skint. But even so, that, that's not... That's not sending uh, huge amounts of envy, um, and it doesn't really help his claim to be a credible pot- uh, potential buyer. Um, and I've also been looking at William Story's other companies, and he's got one which is called Wolf Jerky Limited, which which I thought was a Prophanosaurus entry. Um, <laughs> okay, and indeed, it soon might be if if I, if I put my mind to it. Um, so it, it's, it's 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 certainly an unusual um, person. He looks like one of the guys out of ZZ Z Z Top, um, and he initially responded to what we've seen in the Roker Report uh, article. We're saying, "Well, yeah, you're better of good lawyers. This, this is going to get the result in a libel claim." Yeah. And then within the hour, he followed this up with an offer to fight four members of Roker Report. To raise money for the soup kitchen in, in a charity bundle, in effect. Um, my understanding is that one of the guys from Roker Report isn't actually an experienced mixed martial arts guy. So um, yeah, it, I, 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 I'd pay to watch it. I and mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter, as you know, Kevin. I, I do. Um, but even so, it, if you want to get fans on your side, and I think all owners should always try to do this. And, and normally there is goodwill. Trying to fall out with them before the deal goes through by threatening to to sue really isn't the right way to go about it. Yeah, nothing says I'm
0: a credible buyer more than having five hundred quid in the bank and offering to buy four fans in public behind behind the Tesco's car park. Basically, I'll have you all. It literally is a bloke in a pub isn't it? going I'm I'm buying that club, you know. <laughs> um, talking of uh, Profanosaurus, Kieran, I, I'm going to let some uh, some light into our relationship uh, for our eager listeners, who we all love. But every now and again, you you throw a, uh, an expression into one of our text messages uh, or our WhatsApp group. When you know, we, I'm sure Guy realizes that you and I occasionally text each other, and we don't know what we don't want Guy to know what we're actually thinking. Uh, otherwise, it's the WhatsApp group. But you you referred to. Um, the potential owner of, of Sunderland, the chap who's offered to sue and then fight the Sunderland fans, as a professional hat stand. And for the life of me, I can't
1: I can't work out what what that what a professional hat stand means. Uh, uh, well, professional hat stand is actually what was the, the the name ascribed to one of the guys from uh, from Viz, Roger Irrelevant, who would oh, just talk okay. complete bollocks all the time. Um, so, so that's why I I, I linked Mister Story's uh, somewhat uh, erratic behaviour to to one of my favourite characters.
0: There you go. No link is tenuous when you understand it, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Roger Melly was always my favourite character. Uh, anyway, Kieran, you know that I'm a massive fan of this time of year. It's my favourite time of the year. Um, the day before Christmas Eve is actually my favourite my favourite day. So thank you of uh, to thank yeah thanks to Guy for taking a three hour chunk out of it so we could do this. <laughs> And I wouldn't like to ruin anybody's Christmas, uh, Kira, not even Seth Blatter's, who's over there in snowy Switzerland. And I know it's snowing because I spoke to a friend of mine this morning. But FIFA have lodged a criminal complaint naming Mr. Blatter. About mismanagement of the World Football Museum in Zurich, and that's financial mismanagement, I presume, rather than running out of Ferenc Puskas postcards on a Wednesday afternoon.
1: <laughs> it, it, it is indeed. Uh, I mean, this is all to do with the FIFA Museum project, um, and 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 I I get hold of FIFA's accounts every year, and and I've been sort of monitoring this over Very the past few years. Um, you know, it's 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 the rock and roll lifestyle that uh, that that makes you so envious of me, Kevin, I can imagine. Um, and the the weird thing is that this I've seen the numbers going up and up with regards to this particular museum project. Um, FIFA have spent 420 million pounds renovating a building that they don't actually own. Nice. Yeah, 420 million pounds. You could, you could build, you know, if half of Spursy's new ground for that, you know, yeah, uh, you know, a museum. What, what as you? What, what's going to show you? Know, a few old photos, yeah, uh, um, you know, an old ball from one of the old World Cups, and and a few shirts, and and that's about it. Do they, so do it they did rent? Seem- it,
0: do they rent it, Kieran, or do they just not know they don't
1: own it? Well, I think I think they probably got it on a long lease or something right. of that nature. Um, and and FIFA uh, have said that. Um, there are suspicious circumstances with regards to how the money was spent, um, which which were combined with management failures. And some of those circumstances were criminal in nature. So who has been receiving this £420 million, I guess, is one of the things. So this all arose as a result of FIFA's auditing of, of their activities. Remember, we were saying uh, on one of the recent shows that the the majority of football clubs in this country are not audited, so you know, we, we're not necessarily in a position to, to throw too many stones at this one. Um, Sepp's, Sepp Blatter's lawyer, in, in a classic silver-tongued response, has claimed that the the charges are baseless and repudiated, um, and his client uh, is uh, is pristine in terms of his behaviour and, you know, helps old little old ladies across the road and all of that um, so Set blatter is presently banned from football in in all areas for a period of six years um, this this does not reflect well it certainly doesn 't reflect well on him um it doesn 't reflect on well on on the, the politics of FIFA but I think we 've been saying since effectively that you know one of the first episodes of this show. But uh FIFA is a historically it it's a mafiosa organisation. You've only got to look at the list of people who've been banned from football who actually voted for the twenty eighteen and twenty twenty two World Cups yeah. to realise that. And uh you know, I, I was talking to somebody very senior in uh in domestic football a few months ago, and his view was that things have not got any better since Seth Blatter has gone, which 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 is a shame and uh, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence in in the global way that the game is being run hi i'm steve Lemack and every week i'm joined by music allies head of insights Stuart dredge on the price of music the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry
0: No. um, To be fair to Sepp Blatter's lawyer, I think you would imagine his initial response would be, this is baseless rather than not again. Um, (laughs) I think that's just the very least, that's the minimum level you'd expect from us. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy saying this from a a silver tongue friend. Um, FIFA, of course, the world's biggest football organisation and some of the world's biggest clubs are uh, apparently relying on transfer valuations
1: made by volunteers. Um, yes, this this is a bizarre story, which broke, uh, I think it came from a Dutch investigation um, into the website, which is called Transfer Market. Now, um, Transfer Market, it, it, it attracts a lot of traffic. It gets you know, a billion views each month. And I use it myself when I'm, you know, I'm trying to work out who's gone where and so on. Um, so you know, I'll, be, I'll be the first to say that I, I do use it. But I, I use it with the same degree of confidence that I have in Wikipedia, huh. i.e. I take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. Um, but it appears that many clubs are using the, the valuations for players that are quoted in transfer market um, as a basis for buying and selling players. Um, and, and it comes to light as a result of this this Dutch website, which is called Follow the Money um that the the values given to players in respect of uh, transfer market are actually put together by just bloggers um and, and there's one guy here called Martin Frundel who is a social worker in Germany and It says here he's responsible for all of the values for all of the Bundesliga players. And he says, well, if I like the player, I put his value up. And if I don't think the player, I'll put his value down. But I don't get to see all the matches. So sometimes it's just there's me and there's a few others. And it appears to be um, the mentality taken by Transfer Market, uh, who who their their own admission is the method isn't scientific, which is putting it quite mildly. Um, is that we just go with the view of the crowd? Um, now, now the trouble is, you know, as as we both know from uh, our uh, the performances of our teams uh, last last weekend, the view of the crowd is something which can um, change very rapidly. Um, yeah, you know, and, and there were yeah you know, my, my lot were were manning the pitchforks uh, after our scintillating one-one draw at home to 10-man Sheffield United, who haven't won a match all season. Um, you know, and the, the potter out was trending and so on. And then if we go and win our next match, that, that view of the crowd will change. Yeah, cool. It seems a very strange one. So I, I know that some of the other people uh, involved in football do use algorithms to do player valuations. And again, I, I take those with a pinch of salt because they tend to be an element of vested interest. Um, but it, it now appears that clubs themselves in their annual reports are using transfer market values to say well our squad is worth such and such um I know that Barcelona had a player called Arthur who was quoted you know, they, they quoted transfer market in their uh, in their most recent annual report saying, oh he's worth 72 million pounds and, and Barcelona fans are going well, I don't know who came up with that one because you know, he, he's been fairly bobbins from day one.
0: It, it, it sounds like it's fairly ripe for corruption, that system, doesn't it, really? If any old Tom, Dick or Harry can go on and just put a valuation in it, it seems odd. But um, I have to congratulate you, Kieran, for using the words Dutch website and, and moving on straight away. <laughs> credit credit where credit's due. You did very well there, Kieran. Um, the SPFL has put out its latest figures. Are they of interest? Um, well,
1: the, the SPFL... It's of interest in the sense that the SPFL is a clearinghouse. It, it collects money. It negotiates the, the central sponsorship deals. It negotiates the TV deals in respect of Scottish football. Um, and the, the downside was that as as a result of COVID-19, um, the the money came coming in fell 13% to just £31 million. And after paying sort of the overhead, it meant that the money therefore going out to uh, Scottish football, that will have fallen, uh, you know, by by double digit percentages as well. Um, I've I've got to say that the SPFL runs an incredibly lean machine. I mean, yeah, we, we have spoken to Neil Doncaster, um, and we're hoping to get him on the show again. We'd like we'd like to do another Scottish special. Um, it's it's only got seventeen employees. Yeah, you know, you'd think uh, you know, a big institution such as Scottish football would have more people. It's only got seventeen employees together. They only they they earn one point two million pounds a year, which is you know, less than Mesut Ozil earns in a month. So yeah, you know, it it is a, it is a lean machine. Um, to give some context of that, the, the Premier League's got one hundred and fifty eight employees, wow. the EFL have got eighty nine. So to run Scottish football on a shoestring is uh, is quite an, a challenge and quite an achievement. Um, but it, it's quite a, quite a detailed report. Um, I was delighted to see um, that they've got some new directors, one of whom is a guy called Les Gray. And given no. the time of year, I hope he's not lonely this Christmas. Um, no, it's not the Les Gray, is it? No, man, the real Les Gray's dead.
0: Oh, okay, so it's not. No, well, you, you could have broken that to me more gently, Kieran. <laughs> Sorry, to I don't you, you could have just said no. Or <laughs> 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 fair, you could have said, did, did no one tell you? And I went, oh, dear. I'm I'm sorry to hear that, Kieran, and I'm very sorry for yeah, everybody. It was, I was a huge
1: mud fan. You know, oh. I'm sure you and I must have used, done a bit of tiger feet. You know, when we were throwing some shapes when we were younger. They were they were from two roads
0: down from from me. Mud, uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I wonder if my dad knows. He, he claim to have known him in the old days. All right, okay. So the, the, the unfortunate Les Gray link apart,
1: where else do we know from the Scottish figures? Well. um... The, whilst the money coming in went down, the money going out, the costs increased. And part of the reason for this was increased legal costs because Scottish football, yeah, they, they've been having a bit of a barney, as we know. Yeah, we yes, we looked at the, the Hearts accounts and we said, yeah, they'd spent 600 grand. So it has been, uh, I think, a tough year for Scottish football because just just as we've seen in the EFL, when they decided to... Close down leagues one and two and relegate on that basis. Um, Scottish football didn't take that line down. Yeah. So, though, so costs have gone up, which is is good news for our friends with silver tongues, of course. Um, so, the the, the the legal profession, under all circumstances, whether good or bad, in terms of economics, uh, will will always do well out of this. Um, other than that, uh, the, the I think. The, the big competition for me, which is the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Challenge Cup, um, has been carried over to 2020 So for anybody that was waiting to see how that was going to pan out, that particular tournament, uh, we're going to have to wait a few more months.
0: Yeah, it's a lovely product, the Tunnocks caramel. It's very nice. Uh, you may not think here and there's a link between Scotland and Millwall, but history tells us that the majority of the factory workers who made up the first Millwall team were Scottish. Uh, hence the blue shirts and the lion and the lion on the shirt as well. Apparently, um, history tells us other things, but that's one of the big stories. Uh, but Millwall have released their latest figures too. Now this will be of some interest us because we were talking to Millwall's. Director of Communications not long ago, and of course, um, we were very pro Millwall for a couple of days afterwards. It didn't last long, obviously, but you know.
1: Oh, I'm I'm, I'm always
0: yeah, I'm an Elephant and Castle boy, as you know. I've always, oh, sure uh, I, of course, we you'll do anything for your local team except support them, Kieran. We've ascertained that. Quite <laughs> often.
1: Terry was a season ticket holder.
0: Yeah, so what do Millwall's figures tell us, Kieran?
1: Well, um, I think it. We've always said that the championships are, is a bear pit yes. of a division. Uh, Millwall's losses doubled to 10 million pounds. So, yeah, we, we've got a club losing 200 grand a week in the middle of Covid and it's still the the fourth best performing club in in the EFL Championship. Yeah, that that is indicative yeah. of what a, a complete clown car of a division it is uh, and they they can't agree in that division on a wage cap. So Nothing's going to be resolved with regards to that. Um, they've uh, they didn't manage to sell any players for money last year, whereas the previous season they sold George Savile, um, and therefore, like many other clubs, they they are reliant upon an owner being willing to stick his hand in his pocket and to be said to I think is it John Beresford. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's done that. Uh, he's been very generous, put put in money. Um, but if you're looking at a business, if you've got a business which is paying £115 in wages for every £100 which is coming through the door, you're on a, you're on a very slippery slope. Yeah. You've lost money before you've put the floodlights on. Mm. Um, and how and why this has not been addressed historically, I mean, you know, I'm... I'm I appreciate we were operating here in a COVID environment for a few months, but it, it does show just how difficult it is for clubs to survive um, or r- rather to make money or even break even in that particular division. So Millwall uh, are, are mosing on. I, I expect their losses to be surpassed by other clubs as they are announced over the course of the, the next few months. But uh um, until the issue of the championship is addressed, it's a big fear for me in terms of the future of English football. Mm. I have to say, I did did a Millwall podcast just
0: the other day and it was a very pleasant experience. So, in fact, the last two podcasts I've done have been a Brighton one and a Millwall one, which just shows how mature I am as a human being, Kieran. Um, We've only got two more news stories and we will rattle through them because it's Christmas Eve. What are you doing listening to this? You should be out getting last-minute presents and trying to find a pub that might serve you through the back door hatch um a change to the ffp rules is causing chaos i know one but i'm not allowed to say it on there a change to the ffp rules is causing chaos kieran as efl clubs try to
1: prove that covid19 has cut the value of their squads and um, yeah this is a, this is an interesting story from sam cunningham in, in the Independent. um if you take a look at the, the latest variant of the FFP rules, and, and let's face it, as more and more of us are moving into tier four, there's probably going to be a, not a lot else to do uh, apart from read this type of nonsense uh, in days to come. Um, the The latest variant of the EFL's FFP rules say that, that COVID costs um, can be excluded Um, in in respect of your your calculations of your FFP losses. So we know that the loss of income in terms of match day ticket sales, you can make an adjustment for that. The costs of testing, and it looks as if the costs of testing are are rising uh, very rapidly, um in in respect of EFL clubs I think they're going to be forced through the government to take uh transport costs are increasing because you can't necessarily get all the players on a on a single coach as a result of social social distancing issues but then the the one which which Sam raised was to do with um player values so if you've got a player who you signed for 10 million pounds in the championship. And as a result of the the contraction of the transfer market, you now think you can only sell him for two or three. Could you put that through as a COVID-related loss? And in doing so, that will help you in terms of your um, FFP calculations. Mm-hmm. Now the rules are ridiculously vague. You know, I, I've been through every paragraph of the the EFL FFP rules and. Um, whether it's whether you're going to get away with that or not seems unclear, and when there's uncertainty, there are opportunities yes. for our good friends, yeah. So, um, if, if, if anybody is interested, you know, Appendix 5, Rule 1.1.2 uh, is is the place to spend Christmas Eve. I, I'm sure your family will be absolutely delighted with you if you do that and you're not playing Monopoly, um, but, um. It could lead to another set of conflicts between the EFL and their member clubs um, because, unfortunately, some clubs are operating in self-interest and are not looking at things on, on a broader sphere because they want to get a, a competitive edge and, and things of this nature might help them. I bet you take Monopoly
0: really seriously, don't you? I love Monopoly. I bet you I thought you might do. I just, you had, from the moment I met you, I had you down as somebody who would like Monopoly. Why is the price of testing rising, Kieran? Is it because so many people are trying to get one?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Well, the, uh, also, if, I think there's been talk that if you are a club that's playing in Tier 4, you might now have to be tested two or three times a week. Oh, so okay. it's, 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 it's not the price per test, it's the volume it of tests, test, um, which are going to go up.
0: Yeah, I, I think our last Christmas, before we release everybody to enjoy themselves, our last Christmas, our last question, um, I think this is a good news question, a uh, good news story, Kieran. Um, I'm getting all sorts of things mixed up there, and I have questions, news, good, bad. That's I've just noticed how much the glass of Baileys has disappeared. That's probably why I get that question so confused. Um, I think this is a good news story. Sky is going to provide Kick It Out with £3 million worth of funding
1: over the next three years. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, is is it? Um, yes, it is. I, mean, I, I took a look at Kick It Out's most recent financial report um, and they got £1.1 million of funding in the year. So to, this is going oh, right to right. effectively double the funding in, in theory um, and will allow Kick It Out to um, organise more activities, um, and it does does a lot of good. Um, I, I know uh, some, some people will have watched the Anton Ferdinand documentary recently mm-hmm. and sort of I think the comments from Kick It Out at the time uh, along the lines of we cannot be too critical of... Um, organisations such as the FA, because presently, uh, of that £1.1 million of funding, around about a quarter of that comes from each of the the PFA, the Premier League, the FA and and the the Football League. Um, And under those circumstances, if you know that your wages directly stroke indirectly are coming from another party, um, you might feel the, the need to shake the hand that feeds you. Um whereas perhaps they would might want ideally to take a more robust stance against some of these institutions. Mm-hmm. So if the money's coming from from Sky, uh, then it does in, you know, it from my point of view, from a governance point of view, it, it increases the, the more of the arm's length relationship between kick it out and some of the the football organisations which provide funding as well as allowing kick it out to to extend the sort of the roster of, of programmes and activities which which are uh, excellent. In that case well
0: done sky uh, and well done also to our listener Dan it's just Dan on twitter who <laughs> devised a drinking game Uh, obviously the bingo game wasn't cutting it for Dan that we recently talked about so he devised a drinking game whereby you took a drink where the various uh, phrases were used such as of that nature and if you were taking a drink every time Kira said of that nature and I said now you would be let's complete mess. Um, <laughs> as uh, our listener, Graham Nealon is one of our many listeners in Australia pointed out. He listens to the pod very early in the morning. So he can't take part in any drinking games because he won't be going to work the rest of the day. Um, our next two pods are going to be questions pods, Kieran. Um, we, we're going to throw the rule book up to the air, just do questions pods. If you, if you want to ask us a question, it's questions at com. They obviously won't be on the next two pods because we're going to record those in a moment, but um in, in all I can say now, kieran is uh, a very merry Christmas to you and to the Baroness, and a very merry Christmas to all our listeners. Be kind to each other, be patient, and we'll raise a glass to our empty chairs,
1: and we'll see you on the other side. Take care, everybody. Well, thank you, Kevin, and Merry Christmas to you and Ali and the family. I know it's been a tough year for us all, uh, I, I, on a personal level. I'd, I'd like to thank you for keeping me sane over the course of the last 12 months. Um, and it's been an absolute honour to work with you. Oh, uh, do you know what, Kieran? That's such a kind thing to say. I can't think of anything
0: flippant to top it off. So, <laughs> Merry Christmas to you
1: all.
0: My son for football.